listening to SBS On The Money with Ricardo Gonsalves. It's your daily 10-minute business and finance news wrap for this Thursday, the 4th of May 2023. Later, the latest on the markets, including those interest rate moves in the US with Evan Lucas from Invest Smart. But first, to NAB's $4 billion half-year cash profit. That's an increase of 17%. It's also an interim record profit, but shares were hit down by 6.1%. For more, I spoke with Nathan Zaya. He is a senior equity analyst at Morning. Star. I mean, the actual result itself was fine. You know, it was, it was being a big turnaround in profitability and it's mainly being driven by improved margins. Um, the, the cost control was pretty good and delivered a, a good ROE. Dividend was a bit softer than what we expected, but but still, still decent. So I think overall the result is fine, but it's just the trajectory of earnings that I guess it's a little bit disappointing and I think that's probably the main thing the market uh, doesn't like as well because I mean this actual profit is a record six-month result for the bank so the actual result itself I think is fine. All right so how is the higher interest rate environment playing through to its numbers and have we reached peak bank if you know what I mean in terms of earnings then? Yeah so we saw their net interest margins it was 1.77 for the half so that's up from 1.63 uh, a year ago. So that benefit is the lower deposit funding that they have. So they, they get that margin upside as rates go up. We did expect it to be more material than it has been. So I do think we have seen a peak. You know, margins during the half hit about 1.8, averaged 1.77. They said they ended the half at 1.75. So that trajectory is, is down, definitely. Um, so that, that's already playing out. I think the other part of the higher cash rates is what it does to people being able to service their loans. So, so we do expect that to mean higher bad debts over time. And that still isn't, isn't playing through. There was a decent amount, um, in this result, still lower than what you'd expect an average to be. But that's basically the bank adding to provisions anyway. It's not actually the losses starting, starting just yet. Can we go into that in more detail? Because we know that the bank is currently experiencing what may be the peak in terms of the number or volume of um, loans switching from uh, fixed rates to higher variable rates, right? Are there any signs mm-hmm. of mortgage stress coming through? Not really. It's not really in the numbers yet. I mean, that is one part of it, those fixed customers that move over to variable but within that that group, there's going to be plenty that you know they they can easily still service a loan at current rates, and they just you know they had a great deal, so they've been saving up, and that's helped them to get ahead. Uh, you know they might have built built savings outside of their loan, so so it's it's hard to know exactly how hard it will hit. We haven't seen it yet. Uh, I think the the main group to be worried about are those that you know the bank assess their loan based on them being able to service it at 6%. So they don't really have a buffer anymore. So they're the ones that, you know, it's there's a potential problem with. But the bank reached out to, I think they said 7,000 and 17 said they needed help. So there's obviously, you know, a, a lot of a lot of positivity out there and households believe uh, that they can cut their discretionary spend themselves to, to keep uh, making their repayments. 
Uh, NAB is obviously known as a, a business bank, and it seems to be focusing more on those customers. Why? Now, I think it's the intense competition in home lending, which has dragged down the margins there, that has you know made it um, more appealing, I guess, to put more of their capital to work in business lending. You know, they're getting a better return there at the moment. And they have made a lot of investments in digital, added you know, bankers to the mix. So, yeah, it has worked in their favour, being able to continue to grow strongly. I guess the one reservation we have is you know, at this point in the cycle, growing too strongly, especially in the, the SME space, who might you know, face difficulty when the consumer does pull back on their on their spending. But, you know, it, it's... It's, it's something to keep an eye on, definitely. But, you know, so far, I think the, the credit metrics are, are quite positive for the bank. I think the dividend came in at 83 cents per share. Should investors be happy with that? And how do future dividends look like, not just for the, for NAB, but across all the banks, especially, as you said, one of the reasons why the shares were sold down hard today was because of the future projections in terms of where profit numbers may go. Yeah, like that, that interim dividend was a touch softer than what we expected, but not much. And I think the, the payout ratio, if you look at it that way, 64%, their target is 65 to 75% over the full year. So we think even though second half earnings might be a bit softer, they've, they've still got a bit of room to, to, to move to, you know, keep that dividend growing, uh, in the second half. So we think the second half dividend will, will be slightly up on the first half. So yeah, we're still optimistic in terms of dividends being able to be sustained or, or grow a little bit. Yeah, across uh, across the coverage, and that's supported by their capital positions as well. You know, NAB is holding about three billion in capital above its own target, so not even the minimum regulatory requirement. So that's about three point seven percent of shares on issue if they go the buyback route. But yeah, that that's I guess shows how much capital they have. So I don't think they need to cut the payout ratio to start hoarding capital. Uh, I, I think we're a long way um, from that happening you know, if we do see much higher unemployment and falling house prices, which seem to be stabilising, which you know, is a positive for the outlook as well. Nathan Zayer there, Senior Equity Analyst at Morningstar. NAB shares did fall down 6.4%, along with the rest of the banking sector, ANZ down 2.3%, uh, the Commonwealth Bank 2.5% weaker, Westpac 4.11%. Uh, still, the market only fell 0.1%, the S&P ASX 200, 7,193. For more on the bank's impact on the share market, I spoke with Evan Lucas from Investmark. Yeah, if you miss your consensus numbers like NAB did today and they miss that on the cash earnings and the dividend, you're going to get smashed and that's what's happened. So I think that needs to be put out there quite clearly. They needed to really deliver the lights out. You'd argue they did, but the market didn't think they did enough. And it probably also carries through to tomorrow when you get ANZ and then next week when you get Macquarie and Westpac. The market's expectations has probably been downgraded by NAB today. So it explains why we had quite a strange day. We've managed to eke ourselves back to almost neutral, but that NAB result has really shifted the banking space as a whole and the financials, and that was the drag today. Okay. Uh, Still, the bank did benefit to one part because of higher interest rates. Mm -hmm. Uh, We're still seeing rates rising. The RBA earlier this week, the US overnight, up another 25 basis points. What does this all mean for investment, the investment environment? Yeah, and they're not the only ones. You're probably going to, need to highlight the European Central Bank. They're also likely to do it. You know, you're talking about the Bank of England. So the whole world is experiencing higher interest rates. 
and a slowing global economy? So that's that's really part of the answer to the question is, at what point does the slowing global economy come through to pricing? Because so far, despite what's happened this week, it's been a really impressive 2023. I mean, if you look at the US, they're up over almost 8.5%, and earnings season has shown that they're still holding quite robustly with the increases they've seen. They've had 10 rate rises from the Fed. We've had 11 here from the RBA. So the investment question is an interesting one because there is a dilemma. The bond market, the other market, the fixed rate market, it's it's flashing as nervous as you want to point out. So there is a disconnect between who's right. Is the bond market's pessimism right, or is it the optimism that's been going on equities that is right? And for me, for that reason at the moment, I'm actually quite neutral. I, I think you need to wait to understand the overall scenario. The bank earnings season gives me a bit more clarity about how our economy is going and where it sits. So once I get all that information, you can sort of get there. It's also May. May has that old adage of sell in May, go away. And there is, again, all of that coming into it, why May is a really tricky period because there's a lot going on and not a lot of answers to give you direction. Uh, one more thing on the banks. Uh, banking concerns uh, continue in the US. Is it something that you're worried about? Has to be. I mean, you, but before, I'll caveat by this. Do not underestimate that what happens in the US banking system is just incredible. So since 2010, there's been 536 banks go by the wayside. So if you now include First Republic, that tows it up to 537 in terms of where it is. So it's not uncommon to see banks going by the wayside in the States, but it's more about the size of them and it's about the run on it's creating, the, the funding costs. So I think you have to have that in the back of your mind. The caveat is that the Fed has backstopped it now, similar to what Kevin Rudd did in 2007 with if you've got a deposit in a US bank, the Federal Reserve will backstop that up to quarter of a million dollars. So that's the same as here. So that that's taken a little bit of that absolute edge away, but you can't go away from the fact that you know this squeeze in interest rates and this squeeze in the banking space still has a bit to run because rates aren't going to go anywhere down anytime soon. And for that reason, you've got to remember that as, as we're moving. I guess the economic outlook is contributing to a slide in the oil price down to 2021 lows overnight. Can you run us through a what else is hitting it and where to now? Because isn't this possibly a silver lining for motorists? So it is for motorists. You're right. You should start to see slide through into the Bowser and, and you know, going from Sydney and Melbourne are currently sitting at about a dollar ninety average during the week. It should probably take about 10 cents out over the next three weeks. So it should drop to about 180. Because normally when you see about a $5 US dollar difference in the barrel, that's roughly what you get through 10 cents change. So it's a, it's a positive there. The oil thing that's going on at the moment is fascinating because it is around global recession fears and demand fears. China's demand isn't anywhere near what was expected. US recession fears are all playing into the price. You're also, that's despite the fact that infantries are actually coming down. So you would normally expect in that scenario the prices are going up. Then you've got OPEC and members of OPEC fiddling with the supply chain. So Saudi Arabia have already made it very clear that they want to cut production. You've then had issues around, you know, the Strait of Hormuz and what's going on with tankers going through past Iran. Two of them have now been seized in a space of five days. So there is, that's the catch with this question is that do not write off OPEC. If they think that prices are moving at a rate they don't want it to to the downside, they will intervene, whether it's through political means or whether it's through supply means. And don't be surprised to see them cut production again to try and write the price fall. And very quickly, opportunities for investors right now. So for me, I think you've got to look really long term. And why I say that is that 
there is going to be a slowdown in construction, there is going to be a slowdown in banking, and there's going to be a slowdown in services. For those of you, therefore, can look savvy and actually start thinking about future of services, that's where I am. So I'm in things like industrials, I am in things like long-term tech, because they at the moment have been savaged, and still even with the movement up this year, they have got the better long-term prospect, and that's why things like AI and all that kind of stuff with a long-term view is, is quite exciting. Evan Lucas there from Invest Smart. This SBS On The Money podcast is provided for informational purposes only. The content on this podcast should not be understood as constituting advice or a recommendation. It is not personal advice and does not consider your personal circumstances or objectives. You should contact a licensed professional before making any financial decision.